Hello and Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you have joined us for the Ridge Weekly Podcast. This week's talk comes from Pastor Tim Herring. Listen as he shares how Jesus is not only the light of the world, but also the source of life, both physical and eternal. We hope that this talk encourages and inspires you as you grow in your relationship with God and others. The song that Adam just sang for us begins in this way, underneath the starry sky, a mother holds a child tonight. All is calm and all is bright. She sings to him a lullaby. And then the song goes on to say she looks at this child, and when she does, whether she's aware of it or not at the time, she's staring in the face of God. She's looking in the eyes of the one who spoke those evening stars into existence. What an amazing thought. It's what Christmas is really about. The one who created everything, entering our world as a baby. Could such a thing be true? One of the men that walked with Jesus for three years thought so. He watched Jesus perform miracles. He heard his teaching. He examined his life, and he concluded that Jesus was indeed our creator. And in John 1, 3 through 5, he wrote, All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. I love that about light. It comes into the darkness, and the darkness has to flee. The very first words that we have of God in the Bible are the words, let there be light. And then after God spoke those words, we realized that God began then to create life because these two are connected. Light is connected to life. And this is why we put our faith in a Savior, Jesus, because he was the light of the world, but he's also the life, the source of eternal life. But let's talk about this Christmas story a little bit and talk about the light and the darkness and how it all ties together because we realize that Jesus was born at night and you may wonder why. Why was Jesus born in the evening? And I think it's to accentuate the fact that the light came into the darkness. It's a picture of Jesus coming into this dark world. And so we have some shepherds who were in their fields at night when suddenly some angels appeared in great glorious light and they had this message, today in the city of David, a savior has been born who's Christ the Lord. And then we read the story of these magi or magi and they were, they were priests astrologists and they saw this display of light in the sky and, and some people have tried to explain, well, that was just the, the planets lining up and this and that. No, it was much, much more than that. What they saw and what they described as a star was something that was so significant, it was so different, that they were willing to travel between five and 700 miles across the desert for months just so that they would have an opportunity to look in the face of that child, looking into the face of God, because somehow they understood a king had been born And somehow they understood that this light they saw in the sky was pointing to the one who is the light in the world. And this is why we worship Jesus and why we acknowledge him and we celebrate Christmas. Isaiah was speaking about the coming of Jesus into this world as light. And he said in Isaiah 9, 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. He said, 
A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. He was talking, of course, about spiritual darkness, not physical. How Jesus was coming into this dark world. Spiritual darkness is described in various ways in the Bible. Sometimes it's described as blindness. Sometimes it's described as as being lost. Sometimes it's even described as spiritual death. But Jesus was coming into that. The people walking in darkness have seen this great light. A light has dawned. It was Jesus. But how are we to understand this darkness and the significance of the light and how important this is? I'd like to share a story that maybe some of you have heard of a time about 10 years ago that I was lost. I was lost in the woods at night, and it was dark. It was one of the most distressing things that that has ever happened to me. It sticks with me to this day because I found myself in this absolutely desperate situation. I was staying at a park, state park, not far from here, maybe eight to 10 miles near Cooper's Rock. Some of you are familiar with that. I had rented this cabin, and I was... I was going to be spending some time just praying and planning for things related to the church. And, and it, it was really toward the end of summer or the beginning of the fall. It was sometime early, maybe early fall. I don't remember exactly the timing, but what I do know about the timing of it was that it was the time of year where during the day it could be really warm, but at night it got really cold. And so one evening, 7.30 at night, I decided to go for a walk, a, a kind of a hike up this path, which was more like an access road, and I, I wasn't going to be gone long. I mean, my thought was, you know, it's going to get dark pretty soon. You know, it was 7.30, I knew I couldn't be gone real long because the sun was starting to set earlier and earlier, and so I decided to go on this hike, and I didn't even put on hiking boots. I actually had on these comfortable dress shoes. I thought, I'm just going to be going for a walk. And I walked up this hill. It was a mile and a half, almost all uphill. And it took me 30 to 35 minutes to get there. And then when I got to the top, it was after 8 o'clock now, and the sun was beginning to set. And so I decided I better turn around and come back before it gets dark. And so I turned around and I began to walk back when suddenly I saw this trail that I had never seen before. Now, this was odd because I had walked this path a hundred times before, but I never saw that trail. And I was just too curious. I, I just, I'm kind of like that. Like, I, lo- I love to explore. I had to know where the, the trail went. And so even though it was kind of late, I decided to take the trail. And I began to walk down the trail. And it zigged back and forth like this. And it, it went down, down, down the mountain. And eventually I came to another path. And it went off, continued going in a, a direction. But it was down, down. And I kept walking and walking and walking and walking. And I eventually got to the bottom. And I came to a river. I think it's the Cheat River, probably. And I realized, oh, that's why the path was there. Now I know I can go back. But while I was standing there, and of course, this was the end of the path, while I was standing there, the thought occurred to me, I don't want to go back up the way I came. It was all downhill. I did not want to go back up and then know I had another mile and a half to go like, down to the cabin, why don't I take a shortcut? Why don't I cut through like a triangle there? I'd save like a half hour if I did it. That was my first mistake. (laughs) 
And it's kind of symbolic of sin and spiritual darkness because we take a path or we get off the path. God has laid out a path. One of the definitions of sin or one of the ideas behind sin is that you get off the path. And I decided to get off the path and I, I began to meander through the thick uh, weeds and everything that were there. And I found myself, it was, it was heavy brush in places and I was walking around trees and walking over logs and this and that. And I walked for 15 or, or 20 minutes. And then at a certain point, the thought occurred to me, I don't know if I'm heading in the right direction. I had turned around so many trees and walked this way and that that I couldn't, is it over there, is it over there? I didn't know, and I just stood there and I thought, oh, I hate to have to retrace my steps another 15 or 20 minutes or so, whatever, but I have to do it, I have to go back, I have to get back to the path. By now, it was getting dark. And so I began to walk back. I walked back in the direction that I... I thought the path was in. I walked and I walked and I walked and I could not find it. And at a certain point, a certain despair, a, a desperation suddenly hit me and I realized it is, it is really dark and I have no idea where I even am. I didn't know which direction was which, but I was in the middle of the woods, two to three miles away from the cabin. And I knew that I was in some trouble. Now, the moon was shining that night, but it was only half shining. Clouds were blocking the light. In addition to that, there were tree, leaves were still on the trees, so I really could hardly see anything, and I was bending down trying to look for that trail, and I was praying desperately, praying, praying, praying. I prayed a lot in my life, but I was praying. Lord, show me the way. Lead me to this path. You're, didn't Jesus come to seek and to save that which was lost? And I waited, and nothing happened. And I began to panic. What am I going to do? Let me show you a picture of the woods that I was in. This was a picture taken during the daytime, but you can see that the fall leaves are still on the tree. I was there at night, somewhere in there. I don't even know where. And it was scary. And a thought occurred to me, well, what I, maybe what I can do here is spend the night in the woods. I, th I thought, well, I can lie down on the floor of the forest there. And, and then I began thinking, well, bears and rattlesnakes and copperheads, and aren't there black widow spiders here too? And I've heard about bobcats and everything else. And I just, I didn't want to do it, but I laid down and I thought, well, I'll try it here for a moment. But I knew that the first thing that crawled on me, that was the end. I thought I couldn't do that. Now, I had one option available to me that was, from my perspective, too horrifying to even consider. I had my cell phone with me. <laughs> it was 10 years ago. I mean, just in my defense, this was before I had a map app on there or a flashlight or anything like that. But the thought occurred to me that if I could get high enough, I might get a signal. There's no signal where I was, but maybe if I found my way up, 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 maybe I could find a signal. 
And then I realized I'm I'm too proud to do that. I I just realized that if I called for help, you know what they do? They'd send a helicopter. And I could just see the the newspaper report the next day: local pastor lost in the dark as he tries to point people to the light. You know. <laughs> I didn't want to spend the night there, of course, because it was going to get cold in the morning, and, and so I was in this desperate place, and I was kept praying, "Lord, show me the way, show me the way." And I stopped for a moment and was really desperate before God. I'd been praying now for at least an hour, seeing no response, and then I heard in the distance cars. I realized that I was probably hearing traffic from Interstate 68. Now I knew it was miles and miles away, but I had prayed about it. What should I do? And I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my way toward the traffic. I'll get to I-68, and then I'll walk miles and miles and miles to the entrance to the park, and then miles to the cabin. The problem with the solution was that it involved getting to the river first of all, which I knew was down, and I would have to swim. Across the river, and believe it or not, that's what I decided to do. You know, the, the solutions we come up with to deal with our own problems sometimes are kind of ridiculous, aren't they? I don't know what I was going to do with my phone. I I decided I will make my way to the river and I'm going to swim across. And then I'm going to walk for miles to 68. Then I'm going to walk for miles. And I literally thought in my mind, by the time dawn hits, I'll finally be back. But I'll be alive. And so I began to do that. And suddenly, amazing thing happened. I happened to look down at just the right moment, and I saw what looked like maybe was a path. And I thought it can't be. See, I'd already given up hope of ever finding this path. It had ended way over here. I saw it, and and all of a sudden I saw this path, and it was running perpendicular. And I thought maybe that's it. And so I began to walk that path, and it got wider as I was going. And I realized this was it. At a certain point, I saw where I'd broken off to the one path, and I made my way up to the top, and. And now I just was rejoicing before God because I could see here because this wasn't blocked by the trees, and I knew I had another mile and a half to walk. But I was just absolutely thrilled about it, and I got back before midnight. Now I don't know if any of you have ever experienced something like this. What a desperate place to be! And yet I think, in a spiritual sense, as difficult as that is, we're in a worse. Spot spiritually because of the sin in our lives, the despair I felt does not measure up with our condition before our God because of the sin. But this is why Jesus came into this world to be a light to the world, to seek those who are lost, to open the eyes of the blind, to raise the spiritually dead to life again. This is why Jesus came into this world. He came to be a light to deal with the problem that we have. All of us have sinned. We all fall short of God's standard of righteousness, and the penalty is death. But Jesus came to be light, and He came to give us life. In the New Testament, there's a prophecy in the story about the birth of Christ that goes this way in Luke 1:78 and 79. 
Because our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high, that's Jesus, the dawn from on high will visit us to show, shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I'm confident that God is the one that ended up showing me the path so that I could make it to safety. How do we escape this darkness of sin in our lives? Well, John explained it using Jesus' own words in John 12, 46. Jesus said these words, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. And the answer is really there. Whoever believes in me, whoever puts their trust in him will not remain in darkness. He came to deal with the darkness, the sin in our lives, to remove it so that we could restore, have a restored relationship with our creator. Now I want to talk about this just a little bit more in a minute, but before I do, we're going to sing the familiar carol that many of you know, the first Noel. Uh, this is one of those songs that um, we sing, but nobody stops to ask, what does it even mean? Like, what does the word Noel mean? And uh, it, it's a word, it's a French word. According to the Webster Dictionary, it can mean one of these four things. It can mean Christmas, so the first Noel is the first Christmas. It can mean good news or gospel, the first really good news. It can mean birthday, a reference to that birthday of Jesus. Or it can mean Christmas carol. We'll sing some Noels. I believe it means all of these things. But the idea that captures it the best is good news. Because every one of us has wandered off the path. All of us have wandered into this darkness. And Jesus came into the world to dispel the darkness, to give us forgiveness of sin and new light and life in him to make us a new creation. Because when anyone is in Jesus Christ, puts their trust in him, they become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Something happened yesterday, Wednesday, December 21st, at almost exactly 4.48 p.m. I suspect most of us, for most of us, that minute came and that minute left, and we were not aware that anything significant had happened, but something did. Because Wednesday, December 21st, at 4.48, very close to that, was the beginning of what we call the winter solstice in West Virginia. And it's the winter solstice for the entire northern hemisphere. That minute marked the beginning of winter. And yesterday was, as we know then, the shortest day of the year. Now what's interesting to me about all of this is that this launch of winter and this short day of the year is pointing to the fact that every day from now on is going to be longer and brighter from a time perspective. Every day is going to get better. In other words, the, really the darkness of that short day is pointing to the fact that light is coming. I find it interesting that Christmas we celebrate during this dark time of the year. And yet it's a wonderful picture again that Jesus is the light of the world and the beginning of light for us. During the Christmas season, we acknowledge Jesus as the light of the world. Now earlier I talked about the fact that Jesus was born at night, and there's a little bit more significance to that. Because in the Jewish mindset, days begin the night before. You may not be aware of that, but 
If you go to the book of Genesis and the creation of each of the days, after one day was created, God said there was an evening and a morning the first day. And then day two, there was an evening and a morning. See, we do it differently in our culture. We say there was a morning and then the evening, a day. But I love the way that plays out because the evening is pointing to the future when the day is coming. And that's what Jesus is for us. And so we read the creative story in Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And after that, he began to create life, the plants and the animals, and especially us, people. But as you know, Adam and Eve, after they were created, rebelled against God in a kind of a darkness, a different kind of darkness. The darkness I've been talking about tonight, the spiritual darkness entered the world. The effect was immediate, sin and death impacted literally everything. And God could have at this point rejected his creation and said, you've blown it, but instead he he said, no, I'm going to save it, I'm going to redeem it. But I'm of the perspective there was only one possible way to do that. And that was to send his son into this world who is the light. Because his son would live a perfect life, a sinless life, so that he might go on a cross in our place and for our sin. God charged the the sin and the darkness of the world upon his own son Jesus because the justice of God had to be served against the sin of the world for it to be forgiven. And so he paid the price so God could extend forgiveness to us as a gift. And he died and he was buried. But he rose again from the dead, which is very significant because it shows that the darkness of sin and everything could not extinguish the light of the world. That it was impossible for death to take the life of the one who created all life. And he's able to give us life as well as the life giver. In John 1, 9 through 12, Jesus point, or John pointed to Jesus as the light of the world, and he said, the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him. He gave them the right or the privilege to be children of God to those who believe in his name. And we realize that the condition God has is just to put our trust in his son. That's all he requires of us. I want to ask you tonight, have you done that? Has there come a point in your life where you've recognized the spiritual darkness within you and realized you couldn't fix it and you reached out to Jesus to be the one to save you and deliver you, to be the light within you? I'd like us to bow our heads, and I just want to offer a prayer that I invite you to pray in your own heart to God and put your trust in Jesus as the light of the world. If you believe the things I've been saying here today and recognize, yes, Jesus is the solution, I encourage you to pray something along the lines of, and it's not the words, it's, it's your heart and the trust in Christ, something along the lines of, dear God, I know I've sinned. I know there's darkness within me, and I need a Savior, a Deliverer. And I believe that you sent your son Jesus to come into this world so that he might die in my place and for my sin. And that he rose again from the dead after being buried. 
It demonstrates you accepted the payment he made for me. And so today, I put my trust in Jesus. Today, I receive him as my Savior. Today, I claim that promise in John 3, where you said, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So cleanse me of my sin. Receive me as your child. For I come to you in Jesus' name and because of what he did for me. Now, for those of you that already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to leave you with three applications. The first one is this, that Jesus is the light of the world with a capital L, but we are also lights in this world, Jesus said. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And he went on to say, let your light shine in such a way that people might see your good deeds and then glorify your Father in heaven. Just like the moon reflects the sun. The moon doesn't have its own light, but it reflects the the sun, so we reflect Jesus. And as we do that in this world, it points people to our God. And so I encourage you to be a light in this world. Second, I encourage you to live as children of light throughout the Bible. In many places, we read that walking in the light is akin to saying no to sin and saying yes to righteousness. John wrote in 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and are not practicing the truth. And so I want to encourage you to say, I want to live like Jesus and set aside those things. The final application is this, because Jesus is the light of the world, we don't have to be afraid. In Psalm 27, verse 1, we read, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? There was part of the story that I told earlier that I, I left out a detail about it. And that is that as I was so desperately praying to, for God to show me the way and to lead me in this and that, I came to a point where I recognized I wasn't trusting God at all. I was praying, but I wasn't trusting God. I realized that trusting God would mean that I would know he was sovereign, that he saw me, that he loved me, that he would do the right thing, and therefore, I could trust him no matter what. If that meant sleeping in the woods, if it meant swimming across the river, whatever it was, then I came to this point where I said, you are my God. I trust you regardless of how this story ends. I trust you. And a joy flooded into my soul I can't even express. And then... I took two or three steps and I looked down and I saw the path. And I think God wants to bring us to that place, to turn to the one who is the light of the world. We do not need to be afraid. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.